For three decades, Baker Hostetler has hosted its legislative seminar among the premier annual public policy showcases on Capitol Hill. Though COVID-19 forced a hiatus in 2020, we are back, finding new ways for you to hear firsthand from Democrats and Republicans in the House and Senate on the latest legislative developments on tax, infrastructure, healthcare, trade, energy policy, and more. I'm Leanne Lee, and you're listening to Baker Hosts. Our guest today is Congresswoman Kathy McMorris Rogers of Washington State. As Republican leader of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, she is responsible for guiding her Republican colleagues' priorities within the committee's extremely broad jurisdiction, which includes healthcare, energy, and telecommunications policy. Let's listen in. Hi, this is Congressman Mike Ferguson. I'm the leader of Baker Hostetler's federal policy team. Uh, very personally pleased to welcome a good friend and uh, someone who is you know, chosen by the Republicans in the House to be the top Republican on the best committee in the entire House of Representatives, probably in the entire Congress, the Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers, a Congresswoman from the state of Washington. Kathy, delighted that you're able to join us today. Welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you for the invite. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to join everyone. Thank you, Mike, for inviting me. And I'm I'm looking forward to this discussion. You know the Energy and Commerce Committee well as a, a member when you were serving in Congress. And I'm actually right now in the middle of a markup. We are voting on some uh, some infrastructure bills around clean water and clean water systems across the country. So I might have to to leave here just in a minute, but but I'll be back, okay? And I'm I'm looking forward to the discussion with all of you. I know your staff has been fantastic. I know you're between committee markup votes and floor votes at some point today. So you've got a lot going on. Believe me, I can appreciate it. Um, I let's start with infrastructure. You mentioned you're marking up this uh, this bill in the committee today. Infrastructure has been the, the buzzword on Capitol Hill for the last several weeks. What are you thinking? What are you hearing from the folks on the other side of the Capitol in the Senate? Do you think a bipartisan infrastructure, a big package might come together? And if so, do you think it, it will get that kind of bipartisan support in the House? What do you think? Well, well certainly for, for a lot of people, Republicans and Democrats, an infrastructure package makes sense. Uh, we're coming out of a pandemic that has hit us hard, and there's a desire by, by both Republicans and Democrats to, to move forward on an infrastructure package. We have a long list of aging infrastructure needs in America. Uh, it has been a priority of both parties for many, many years. Uh, clearly, reaching an agreement is proving to be difficult. It's clear that the Biden-Harris administration has some work even to to uh, unify the Democrats at this point. But I, I am encouraged that there's, there's bipartisan discussion, mostly in the Senate right now. Uh, the goal should be to uh, focus on what, what the uh, infrastructure needs are and target the infrastructure needs. You know, when this uh, bill was first rolled out, only 6% of it actually went to roads and bridges. And so that's been a long time concern of the Republicans is that there's a lot of other items that are being attached to infrastructure. Uh, our goal is to really focus on infrastructure and meeting the, the long list of needs in our country. In the Energy and Commerce Committee, we're marking up bills around clean drinking water systems and 
uh, right now there's not bipartisan agreement, although there is a, a recognition that this is a priority. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. You've got the clean drinking water bill that you're marking up today, and um, I know there's been some some disagreements about the regulatory approach and the costs of this. Do you think as it moves through the process, there will be an opportunity for both sides to come together on it? Or, um, you know, right now it's, I, I guess, legislation mostly written by the majority as they get to do, but uh, how much do you think of Republicans may be included in these conversations going forward? Well, there's certainly aspects within the bills that are being marked up today in energy and commerce that uh, are appealing to us as Republicans. There is a desire to continue to work on these bills. Uh, we're, we're being constructive in our in, in raising the concerns that we have and, and keeping the door open to having more conversations around you know, cost benefit analysis that we think is really important, uh, raising concerns about some of the additional costs, especially that are being imposed upon the, the rural and, and smaller water systems in America. Uh, and it just strikes me that uh, on one hand, we're increasing regulations and then and then the, the cost of those regulations are also increasing the, the cost on the consumer. And ultimately now there's this desire for the federal government to do a lot more. We, we have done a lot uh, in response to the pandemic as it relates to helping individuals and, and, and entities with the, the cost of clean drinking water and paying those bills. Uh, it was a temporary program and, and now the, the debate is around making it permanent. We still would like to know where the money was spent in the first place uh, and, and getting some of those answers I think is important before we uh, implement a new program. And especially uh, this would be the first time that the EPA would be, regu would be uh, administering a subsidy program, uh, mm -hmm. which is new for EPA. Uh, the current one is at Health and Human Services. So we're having that debate right now, but uh, uh, we will certainly keep working to find that bipartisan uh, agreement. That's the, that's the culture and the history of the Energy and Commerce Committee and one that we all cherish as members of this committee. Yeah, let me, let me ask you to imagine for a moment, it's hard sometimes to think long-term in these jobs, right? We're, you're so focused on what you got to accomplish today and tomorrow and this week. Let's say, for instance, next year's election brings a Republican uh, uh, majority to the House. I know that's something that uh, we Republicans like thinking about sometimes. Um, it's certainly not, uh, out, it's not far-fetched given the historical trends with uh, mid-year elections. You'd be the new chair of the Energy and Commerce Committee in that kind of a situation, but you'd still have a Biden administration to have to deal with. What are, what, what are some thoughts that you have for your own agenda that where you think there might be areas of agreement with a Biden White House to try to move bipartisan legislation uh, in the Energy and Commerce Committee? Right. Well, thank you for that question. As Republicans, we are we are working very hard to win the majority and are hopeful. Uh, history's on our side, uh, and we're just down five votes in the House overall. House, uh, the difference in those five seats is uh, thirty-one thousand votes or so, which is just incredible out of one hundred fifty million people who voted. Uh, anyway, I am I am um, looking forward to the day when I am the chair of this committee, the chairman of the Energy and Commerce Committee, as I was just saying, it's such a great committee. It's the oldest committee on Capitol Hill, uh, established in 1795, and it has broad jurisdiction. And, I, and, I, and it is a, a committee that has a history of plowing the hard ground necessary to legislate. 
and members that are that desire to serve on this committee are members who really want to dig in and and hammer out uh, the the this the bipartisan solutions because they recognize that it gets you you get better outcomes when you do that work in the committee so um I would I would say that there's there there's a there's a lot where we could find bipartisan agreement. Just this week, Fred Upton and Diana Get have introduced Cures 2.0, and this certainly has been a priority within this committee. The passage of 21st Century Cures, building on 21st Century Cures with Cures 2.0, uh, has bipartisan support. The Biden administration is uh, is promoting ARPA H and has their you know they want to focus on cures which that's one of the big takeaways from the pandemic is that America led with operation warp speed in in bringing these vaccines to market and this is a time when we should be leaning in that we should be doing more in research and development because it doesn't matter which disease group I talk to right now they are excited about what research is is revealing and the potential for, for cures and for amazing breakthroughs. And we should be leading that. It's great for uh, America, for millions of people that would be impacted. It's great for our economy. And it would also help bend the cost curve within the entitlement programs. If you start uh, talking about curing cancer or delaying the onset of Alzheimer's by five years, that has a huge impact on entitlement program. So that's that's certainly one area. Uh, another is big tech and holding big tech accountable, Section 230 reforms. I believe that that is, uh, there's going to be ultimate, we, we want to find that bipartisan support protecting our kids and the impact of social media on our kids. Clean energy solutions. Uh, again, we we want to move forward with clean energy solutions. So all of these are issues and, and policies that the goal is going to be to uh, find that common ground and actually get get things done. Yeah, I was going to ask about two, uh, Cures 2.0. It's it was a great example of bipartisanship in the Energy and Commerce Committee. And uh, you know, I know healthcare has always been something that's important to you. You've been a leader on it in so many different ways. And there's such big, you know, healthcare jurisdiction in the in the committee. What about the FDA? I know um, a lot of folks have been wondering what's going to happen with a with a permanent head, or at least a uh, uh, going beyond a temporary head of the FDA. I know Janet Woodcock gets a lot of attention. She does a great job in so many ways and has a lot of people's confidence, but um, we, ha we don't have a permanent leader there at the FDA yet. What are, what are your thoughts on that? And where do you think that's going? Are you hearing anything? We need a permanent leader. We need, we need uh, to get, get uh, an FDA commissioner confirmed. Obviously this is by the Senate. The Senate will vote on the confirmation. But in the middle of a pandemic, we need to get this done. And, and uh, I think back to when Scott Gottlieb was confirmed, it was May of 2017 and, and the clock is ticking. We need to get this done. You know, we, Operation Warp Speed and what was put together, it really was a, a private public, a public private partnership that brought the vaccine forward. We learned a lot of lessons from that, but there's still a ton of work to be done. So we need to, uh, we need to get, a, a commissioner confirmed so that we can start working on more reforms. Do, do you think a, a Cures 2.0 uh, type of a package could, might move with something of maybe a broader drug pricing bill? You know, we've seen a lot of critics of the drug industry talking about high prices, but then of course we're coming through a pandemic where really the only reason, reason we're coming through it right now is because of the incredible innovation that's come from the life sciences industry. 
what, what are you hearing on that? And do you think there's a balance that can be struck? Well, let's, uh, let's uh, keep celebrating American innovation, American leadership. You know, the pandemic, part of my hope coming out of the pandemic is that it is a new era of innovation and breakthroughs. I, I'm very concerned about the approach that Speaker Pelosi and the majority have taken in the House with HR3, which is uh, price controls for dealing with the cost of prescription drugs. We can uh, do better. Uh, excuse me real quick. Do I have any time? Mike, I need to go vote. I'll be right back. Okay. Can we do that? Sure. Fair enough. Okay. We'll, Thank you. We'll wait. We'll wait for you here. <laughs> yeah, here I am. Oh, there she <laughs> is. She's back. I was doing my Senate impersonation of a little filibuster there, Kathy, but oh my goodness. We're very, Sorry very, very appreciative of your jumping back and forth and uh, and rejoining us. Uh, we were talking a little bit about healthcare and drug pricing. And you know, that's of course a big important topic for the committee. Another topic I know that you've been very um, active on, you mentioned big tech as a, perhaps an area of bipartisanship. Um, I know you've had some very important hearings with some of the executives from some of the companies uh, in, the, in the committee. Um, I, I, I know they're marking up a bill over in the Judiciary Committee today. I don't know if you're keeping a close eye on what's going on over there today. I guess several bills, I guess, are working their way through pretty bipartisan bills. Um, what do you see uh, in terms of big tech that's in your committee's jurisdiction, the Energy and Commerce Committee jurisdiction, and what areas of perhaps bipartisan opportunity are there there in the Energy and Commerce Committee? Uh, well, thank you, Mike. Yes, holding big tech accountable is clearly a priority for Republicans and Democrats. On Energy and Commerce, we've had a hearing earlier this year with the CEOs from the big tech companies. Areas of common ground, I, I would say certainly the focus around the concern of the social media impact on our children and uh, the importance of, of better protections for our children. It is clear that we have children that are in crisis uh, as you think about mental health issues, depression, anxiety, increased suicides, and and time and time again, whether it's the, the kids or their parents or school administrator, principals, teachers, they're pointing to social media. They're pointing to the impact of social media. So that is an area of common ground and one that I, I hope even this Congress, we can reach an agreement and move something forward. Uh, the questions around Section 230 and the, the 25 years ago, the, the liability protections that were put in place that now you know, no one had, a, you know, in 1996, no one <laughs> imagined Google or Facebook or Twitter. And, and you think about the, the liability protections and how they're being used today. It's a, it's a very complex issue. And I, I do think that we need a thoughtful response. But it, again, it, the, the concerns are raised are, are, are bipartisan. Uh, we, we need to make sure that, um, that these protections are not being abused. And as we, we, we need reforms to Section 230, I think it's also really important that we don't, uh, you know, we, we want to take the time to try to get it right. Because as you think about startups and new, new entrants, these protections are also important to getting some competition in the marketplace. Let me, another tech issue that everyone seems to be having to deal with today is data privacy. And I know that's an important area for the committee. It's also a very important area for some of the regulatory agencies, especially the FTC. 
I know you've had some positive words, or I think encouraging words for the for the new chair of the FTC. And and I remember when I was on the committee, and we would have uh, FTC commissioners come before us. We sometimes had very pointed questions, and other times we'd find ways that we could work together um, to advance both a regulatory and a legislative agenda. How do you see the relationship with the committee and the Biden administration's FTC right now? And what do you see going forward there? Well, we there there is agreement that we need a privacy law. I believe that it needs to be a national privacy standard that will preempt the states. That's that's an area where we're still working through uh, some of the details. There is there 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 is some bipartisan support. But uh, I'm very concerned about a patchwork of laws that is being developed at the state level that's creating confusion for consumers and uncertainty for businesses because the internet knows no, no boundaries, right? No state lines. And COVID has only underscored the importance of a privacy law, that there is not the confidence that individuals' privacy, uh, personally identifiable information is being protected. So uh, the good news is that Chairwoman Sherkowski, the chair of the subcommittee, has announced that she wants to do some roundtables. We are anxious to participate in those. Uh, we're concerned that the time keeps going by and we're not, we're not really having enough of a conversation. Today's the first day that the committee has been back in the committee room in person. And, and I think uh, that that is important. It, it helps just being able to have some side conversations in committee. And one of the issues that I, I am talking to Democrats, uh, I was talking to some Democrats last week on the floor, it's good to be able to talk to them again, was on a privacy bill and how to get some next steps going because it, it's, it's really important that we, we pass that national privacy standard. So let me, uh, I've been trying to find areas of bipartisanship, right? You know, when you're in the majority, you can kind of mostly do what you want. When you're not in the majority, you try to find those bipartisan things to engage with the majority who's in charge, right? I remember those days. One, one area, there seems to be some bipartisanship on Capitol Hill these days is China. And how do we combat China? How do we uh, compete with China? Um, you know, how do we, how do we uh, operate on this world stage with China? We're seeing all sorts of, you know, seeing that play out in all sorts of different ways right now. Um, but uh, you know, they're over in the Senate. They're moving uh, some broad uh, competitiveness legislation. Senator Schumer and others, uh, Senator Todd Young on the Republican side, have uh, been working together. To, and and they seem to have found some some broad bipartisan support for a, a pretty big bill that touches on a lot of areas of American competitiveness with China. Um, you know, I we asked uh, the Majority Leader Steny Hoyer earlier this week uh, what he thought of that. The prospects for that in the House, and he said it's probably more likely because of all the different committees and the different jurisdictions of a of a broad bill like that that uh, might be broken up into several different bills and different committees working on their own portion. What what do, what do you see in energy and commerce's uh, jurisdiction for um, ways that uh, you know we can deal with the 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 China issue, our competitiveness with China? And the myriad of issues that uh, that are that are posing challenges to America right now because of uh, of China. This is yes, important question. Uh, the the issue of American leadership, American competitiveness is is uh, so important, not just to America, but to our allies around the world, to other democracies around the world, and we are uh, we are seeing 
um, every day, uh, a growing dominance by China uh, from an economic perspective, a security perspective, and the importance of American leadership cannot be uh, understated. And I think uh, doing things to make sure that we are leading and, and setting up, uh, 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 you know, addressing some of these competitiveness issues is, is so important. So um, I, I, I agree that this is an area where there is bipartisan support. In the Energy and Commerce Committee, there, the issue of supply chains is at the forefront, whether it's healthcare and what was highlighted during the pandemic, the, the concerns over uh, 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 dangerous dependence upon China for pretty basic uh, supplies that we needed. Also on the energy front, how China is controlling the rare earth minerals that are so important, some of the clean energy uh, solutions that are being advanced right now. And we need, we need uh, to make sure that we're being competitive there. Uh, we led, Energy and Commerce led on an emerging tech uh, package last year, the American Compete Act, that was, um, and really the Republicans were the ones that brought it forward. I was really proud that we introduced a package of bills and even in the middle of COVID, able, we were able to, to uh, work with our Democrat colleagues find bipartisan support and ultimately pass the bill on the floor, American Compete, it was signed into law by uh, the president at the end of 2020, but really looking at how do we make sure that America's leading in emerging tech, AI, quantum computing, uh, blockchain, because we see how China is using emerging tech to uh, 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 surveil, <laughs> you know, they are, they are, I, th I think it's estimated one camera for six people in China, but also how they are clamping down on minorities and dissidents. That's not the, that's not the way we want to be using emergent tech. And, and it's important that America lead with American values and, uh, and the American principles at work. Uh, so right. we're going to keep working on that. And uh, Mike, I'm getting the signal again that I got to go. So I know, I, I know you are. I'm, I'm getting the signal myself. So <laughs> Kathy, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your generosity, your time. Thank you to your staff too, for all the work they did to make all this possible. It's always so great to see you. It's great to uh, ask, your, ask some questions about some of these important policy topics. Our audience is very appreciative and wish you the best of luck as you advance your, your work and your agenda in the Energy and Commerce Committee. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Likewise, I look forward to working with you and hearing, uh, hearing your feedback. Thank you. Thank you, Congresswoman McMorris Rogers and Mike. If you have any questions for Mike, his contact information is in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening to Baker Hosts. Comments heard on Baker Hosts are for informational purposes and should not be construed as legal advice regarding any specific facts or circumstances. Listeners should not act upon the information provided on Baker Hosts without first consulting with the lawyer directly. The opinions expressed on Baker Hosts are those of the participants appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect those of the firm. For more information about our practices and experience, please visit bakerlaw.com.